human beings of the world, it's time to enter the spoilerverse through our secret portal at the beautiful Arctic Club in downtown Seattle. Ladies and gentlemen, with our host John, Kenrick and Casey, it's time to enter Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on scpod.net. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Join the cult of the Spoilerverse, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, we're joined by Jules Rivera. And she's got a brand new book out called Spectre Deep Six. And I'm excited to actually check this thing out. Yeah, Jules is actually an old friend of mine. I know Jules from my webcomic days back like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And she was actually on the podcast that I did, that I did with Kaylee back in 2009 talking about her then comic. Um, but now it's, you know, Deep the new Sector one looks great. She's been She's been in the industry for a while. What's that? Uh, Spectre Deep Four. I don't know. I'm I'm just making a joke. Spectre. No, oh, okay. you said a, a <laughs> oh, comic that she did back yeah, yeah, in I, 2009. I, I, I She's on up. Deep yep. Six. I got, I, I, I got it. Moving on. Moving on. Man, it's not Shh, funny when I get explained. No, I'm trying. Damn it! I'm trying to move on, man. Jesus. <laughs> so let me get past this horribleness of me messing up. All right. So, anyways. Jules is an old friend of mine. <laughs> she is great. And when she wanted to come on and talk to Casey, yeah. uh, actually, it's funny because Casey reached out to her. It was like, yeah, I'll come on. And and I was like, Casey, I, I, I know Jules. I've known her forever. It was, it was, there's a funny story that I'll tell you after we listen to it about Jules that happened at a, at a Comic-Con a couple years ago. But Jules was great. Her work is great. She has, she has great art, great coloring in her webcomic that is uh, um, Love Jules is also really good, too, that she's currently doing. So let's listen to Casey and Jules talk. And if you haven't yet, you need to check her out. There you go. Let's listen in their own words, and I, I want to get back to uh, your story. All right, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today we're going to be talking to Jules Rivera. Jules Rivera is an illustrator, a graphic novelist, and uh, animator, and she has been talked about on Sci-Fi Wire. Uh, let me start this over. I'm sorry. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today we will be talking to illustrator, graphic novelist, um, writer, animator, Jules Rivera. She is an Eisner Award winning. Um, okay, okay. Let me just cut you a little quick. I <laughs> contributed to that Eisner, okay? I just have to qualify that, all right? <laughs> I was like one of 6,000 people. So, yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to like. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, very that's why, to jump in there. That's no. why I should have written no. it down. Keep going, Casey. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I totally get it. All right, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today we will be talking to 
animator, illustrator, novelist, and writer and all-around good person, Jules Rivera. Jules Rivera is going to be talking about several projects in the works, uh, one of which is Flaming Taco Truck in Fuego and the upcoming Spectre Deep Six. Um, Jules, how are you doing today? I I'm I'm good. I'm I'm chilling out. I'm mellowing out. It's uh, you know it's evening time over here on the West Coast, and uh, you know I stay busy. As, as you can, and your listeners will be picking up soon. I I I'm a busy friggin' lady. I'm working on um, doing the final layout work for um, the upcoming um, graphic novel compilation of my webcomic Love Jewels. So I'm working on compiling that. I was hoping to get that done before Valentine's Day, but then my publisher was like, oh no, homie, we got other things to do. <laughs> like, ah. So I'm just trying to catch all of the all of the things as they're falling. I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can over here. And I, I, honestly, Jules, I had no idea that. So, going back a little bit, your Love Jules comic. Um, that is what initially made me go. Oh, I need to talk to her. She is cool. Oh, she has some stuff to talk about, and obviously has a lot of opinions about stuff. I need to talk to her, and uh, it, it was just a fun comic. And then I go on your site, and holy crap, you're you're like you're not just a fun comic. You are legit. You are doing some cool shit. And uh, so, um, how'd that happen? Like, where where did how you did start? It how, <laughs> how, how did well, like, how did you get into comics? I, how did I get into comics? Oh, gosh. Um, okay, so really old, so I have to see if I can find the store. And, you know, oh, shut up. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 36. I turn 37 next month. Um, uh, Jules, we're enemies now because you just called me old. I'm exactly one year older than you. You're one year older than me? Oh, okay. March fifth. Yeah. Senior citizens together. I'll save you. <laughs> Great. I, I'll I'll give you all the hot tips about the ARP discounts when uh, yeah. in a few years when we get there. Yeah, and I'll share with you some coupons for my coupon book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've always wanted to be a storyteller. Like I always loved um, animated movies, animated TV shows from like the nineties when I was a kid. Like nineties X Men was a very big thing for me, even though it's it's not a good show, but I really enjoyed it because it was a really kind of adult cartoon that they aimed at, that somehow got it got aimed at kids. But I thought it was cool. It really stood out from all the other like kind of silly, goofy fart jokes cartoons that you had on Fox back then. So that, like uh, that theme song slapped. It still does. Like you could still put that yes. shit on right now, and and everyone still like headbang to it. Like. Like, oh, yes, will be all about it. And it, it was a zillion years ago. So I wanted to create stories, but I didn't really know how to create these stories. I was like, I want to do that, but I'm not an animation studio. I'm just one person. So how do I work this out? Eventually, the idea came to me when I went to um, an, like one of the very first anime conventions I'd ever gone to in my life, which was a, a convention in Orlando. Uh, where that's where I grew up, Orlando, Florida. Um, I was born in the Bronx, by the way. I have to, I have to 
preface that like, yeah, I found GGQ. Now, bitch, now you might get cut. Um, so, anyway, um, I, 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 from that anime convention, I learned that you could just make a whole ass graphic novel by yourself. I was like, oh, great, look at that. It's a way to tell a visual story in a way that's interesting to people because I couldn't get people to read like prose or written stuff that I had done. No one wanted to read my crap. So I figured if I covered it in pictures, it'll look cool. And uh, from there, I started making my own webcomics. It took me like a good 10 years before I actually made any good webcomics. Like, I love this really new creation for me, even though it's, it's, it's actually two years old now. I just passed a 200th threat on Love Jewel. So uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Uh, long story short, I tried to juggle a day job in with uh, with doing my, my comics work on the side at night, and it just didn't jive. Like, the art beast was winning, and uh, I had to quit the day job or else I was going to lose my marbles. And I started studying artwork in Los Angeles, and it took some getting still rolling, but I eventually got my freelance career started, and now I'm doing all the things. That That's awesome, and it's uh, so you you actually teach art now, correct? Yeah, I mean it, it's a little shaky to say that I teach art <laughs> because I teach a storyboarding class at Cal Lutheran. I mean, assuming they'll have me back next year, I don't know. They only have me in in the fall, so um, you know they can change their mind come fall. Like, no, we don't want to work with you anymore. And I'd be like, okay, that's it, bye. Um, I usually wrote a, uh, a textbook for that class. Because mainly, I didn't want to stress about what to teach before class. I'm like, I don't want to do lessons. That's hard. <laughs> I wish I just had a book. I just had all my crap in it. And so I recently compiled that. That's uh, on my store. Uh, Emotional Currency is the name of that book. Um, yeah, I just run out books all the time. This is what I do. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I started teaching as a uh, storyboard instructor, but... To say that the book is an art book is a little bit of a misnomer because the storyboarding that I teach is for people who aren't artists, who are not artists, let me clarify. Um, and I think people can get snared up on the whole draftsmanship thing, but when, when it comes to telling us the potential stories, you can do it in just a couple of basic little stick figures or emojis as long as you know what methodology is for like composition how to approach movement, how not to cross 180 line, maybe you do want to cross that line, I don't know, I mean, it's just a bunch of graphic rules, not so much, like, art book, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, so, so I, I guess the utility behind that is to, I'm, I'm assuming, help filmmakers and, and animators um, to uh, learn how to tell a visual story or plan out a visual story, with, even though they might not have the skills to, to back that up. Exactly. Exactly. So I, um, I compiled that book and I just have to send it to Amazon in like the self-published thing. Kindle direct press. That's what they call it. Um, <laughs> when I get some time for that, but again, I'm trying to lay out a whole other book and then I'm trying to, and, uh, yeah, I got a video animation project that I got to turn over this week. And I'm like, ah, um, <laughs> lot. So let me just straighten out for your listeners exactly what I do. It sounds like a lot. And the reason why it sounds like a lot is because it is a lot. Okay, so 
I, I mostly do comics and graphic novels. I do in, my own independent webcomic is called Love Jewels. And it's really just, you know, this, this view of the world from the angle of a badass bitch. Because most of the time, badass bitch stories in media, they're told by the dudes who get robbed by badass bitches. Like, you know, the Marks and Hustlers. And I don't feel bad for those guys at all. I'm like, ha ha, you got robbed me Wall Street cream puffs. Ha ha. I love to watch you suffer. <laughs> you might have gathered, like, basically my personality in a webcomic. I, I, I keep joking with my friends. I'm like, because I'm single right now. And I'm like, the person who would be able to look at this book and not run screaming would probably be one who would want to date me. And that's actually the scariest thought in the world. I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to be turned on by this. Stop that. Ah, oh, shit. Like, I'm an emotional terrorist over here. If you're not terrorized, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> so, I mean, that that kind of brings us into uh, Manic Pixie Nightmare Girl, which is what – was that your first book with Turner Publishing? Oh, no. Turner – this is an independent project. Turner Publishing. Oh, okay. Which is Spectre Deep Six, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, Love Jewels is entirely too salty and mean for me to bother with pop pitching a publisher. Someone would go, girl, what? No. No way. Way, no, no, no. I mean, American publishing sure has its problems, but they're not going to take their chances on Manic Pixie Nightmare Girl. It is too hot for TV, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, Manic Pixie Nightmare Girl is a compilation of my first year's worth of strips. It, it contains about 80 strips worth. And, you oh, know, wow. the cover in the book, when you, when you read it on the web, it, you know, I try to tailor the experience to different social media platforms. Like, I've got Instagram where I have a, each comic panel is on a slide. You just swipe, swipe, swipe. You just go through and it's fun. Um, and, uh, and, you know, on Facebook, I just have an old-ass Granny South that's who's on Facebook, old people. Granny, <laughs> our parents in Sarasota, um, they're on Facebook. And, um, you know, I try to tailor it, but when it comes to the actual graphic novel, I make it feel like a novel. Like, all the strips are grouped into separate chapters. Like, I've got a chapter on, you know, where I talk about romance and dating. I talk about pop culture jokes. I talk about what it's like to be Latina, you know. Um, oh, you might have got, I don't know if you people figured out I'm not a white person. Hi. <laughs> um, you know, what that's like, you know, in a way, like, I like to be able to talk about things like race in a way where we can, we don't have to get all defensive and weird about it. Like, okay, guys, like, look, you're not under attack here. Like, we're just talking, Holmes. Like, cool. Fine. Like, there's even a strip in Love Jewels where, you know, this person, like, I have a, a running character in the strip. Her, her name is Rebecca, but I'm trying to talk to the Beckys in the audience. I'm like, Rebecca, listen. You speak to them, like, respectful tone. Hopefully they'll, they'll listen to you, but I don't know. I don't know how effective I'm at. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm just trying to talk about, so white people. And she's like, ah! She screams. And I'm like, uh, what? And, like, kind of point the strip was, she was triggered by the fact that White people itself can be an offensive term to white people, which ah. I see is wild. So they're like, no, it's a reductive term. And I'm like, I need a thing to call y'all because you run the country and shit. We got shit to sort out. Um, and yeah, it's kind of on mayonnaise fans. 
settle. Yeah, mayonnaise fans, that's fine. Your fans and mayonnaise <laughs> will be caught now. There's got to be a name for pan-European pale people who are running shit and, and things that are going on, you know? Like, you have to be able to talk about this shit. So, yeah, Love Tools is about... Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't have it both ways. You you gotta you gotta be able to just go okay yeah I, I am a white person that is fine yeah like otherwise I'm like, it's fine like some it's, I like I get the idea that you know there are people out there who feel like oh it's illegal to be white or whiteness is under attack or whiteness is being criminalized but I mean what it is is being deprioritized these days and a lot of people are really not adjusting well to the shift and. Yeah. Oh my god, it's a bad thing to be white And I'm like, no, you're fine In fact, I hope you put on your sunscreen But, you know, you just can't make everything all about you You know, that's all we're saying Literally, race war, right there Stop making it about you It's it's getting upset about being treated like everyone else Which is, you know I mean, yeah, uh, when you're used to plush comforts And suddenly... Every, you know, those plush comforts kind of go, or like everybody else is getting this plush comforts. Like, I don't feel so plush anymore. And I'm like, wow, what kind of life do you lead where you have to feel better than somebody else in order to feel stable? Like, what's that all about? Huh? Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's the whole thing, Jules. <laughs> Look, if I want to feel superior to people, I just watch British botched plastic surgery shows like everyone else, all right? Oh, God. There is an outlet for this. Oh, God. It's so tragic. And honestly, and especially when they go abroad, so they're like, I went to Belgium, and Belgium fucked this poor person up. Am I allowed to say F-bombs on here? Yeah, yeah, drop, drop, drop as many as you need. Okay, Drop. Drop that hammer. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Wacky and Zany. So, let's come back to Love Jewels. So, Love Jewels, Manic Pussy Nightmare Girl, that's the f- compilation of the first year. The second year that I'm currently working on is Tidal Wave Queen, which is a much more uh, ass-centric book. If I, if I do say so myself, I really just play up the fact that, hi, let's talk about my butt. And you know, we just had the Super Bowl. <laughs> we just had double bubble trouble with Jennifer Lopez and Shakira on the same thing. Who didn't think that wasn't going to melt people's faces? Damn. I, I just don't understand how many people, like, how people got upset. It's just the dumbest thing ever. But, I mean, yeah. Uh, there was a, a entertaining halftime show. I, I didn't really see it, the whole thing, but uh, okay. I've seen like a couple of clips online. As far as I understand, it didn't look like anything salacious or terrifying. It's just like you guys saw a couple of jiggly butts. I mean, did we <laughs> all of the rap videos from the nineties? Like there were lots of jiggly butts. I mean, why are we acting like this is new? But I guess people in the Midwest they're so used to square butts that when they see <laughs> rap jiggly butt, it's like, oh, it's too much. Like I saw one hot take on Twitter. Yes. Where I, uh, I think some some guy was like, oh, my gosh, I called my lawyer to see if I could file a lawsuit because this was too salacious. Oh, and I think the uh, Twitter hot take was, yeah, imagine being so horny you had to call a lawyer about it. Yeah, he, he said, like, it. he was worried about the – he was worried about his soul 
Which, I mean, give me a fucking Fire break, Island dude. Puerto Rico exists, and, like, nobody's eternal soul is at stake because of all the ass on that island. I mean, <laughs> um, so this is about, I mean, I guess Tidal Wave Queen is about me kind of taking ownership of, yup, it's my butt. And uh, there's a lot of ass-centric cartoons in there. I don't know. I've become a comic artist who draws a lot about my own butt. But I think it's because with this book, it's all about channeling beauty and power and finding the relationship between the two. I mean, I admit, like, this book, I feel like it's not quite as experimental as the first one, Manic Pixie Nightmare Girl, but it's much longer. Like, I have way more strips that I pack in here and... uh, but also, I mean, there is the point of becoming the message that can change the world, you know, becoming the tidal wave. The whole idea of a tidal wave queen is somebody who can destroy you with a tidal wave, you know. And um, in the strip, of course, she just takes off her robe and then you see her ass and you're like, oh, my God, it's a bird. And like the monster dies and it's such a powerful ass. And it destroys monsters. Like, <laughs> but I mean, there is a relationship between beauty and power and when P- and I guess when white people see the big jiggly ass on TV on the Super Bowl, you know, it feels like a threat. Like, oh no, I'm under attack by glittery ass. But really, <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? That's really how they reacted. It, it, it was Kira on stage and thought, this is a bad thing. And I'm like, what? what the hell? <laughs> Why do you hate fun? They they just wanted to see you know grown men knock each other uh, senseless and um, possibly damage their bodies for the rest of their lives. They did not want to see uh, anybody dance or be joyful unless it was you know coincided with a touchdown. Things nobody stop with this sparkly stuff. No more. No more glitter. Or I guess maybe white people are all like. Hey, are ethnic people allowed to be glittery? I thought that was only Lady Gaga who did that. Although, joke's on you, buddy. She's Italian. That's ethnic. (laughs) I I fully believe Italians are just Latinos with white privilege. I'm like, they really should be on our team. Because they're so similar to us. (laughs) The infrastructures are exactly the same. We just wear different clothes. That's it. Uh, is, Is the food better? I mean, that's like comparing apples and oranges. I mean, you can't compare pizza with a pollo guisao. I mean, they're both great. They just do different things to your senses. That's all. I mean, you can't say one's better than the other. Like, like, without a doubt, Italian food and, you know, uh, I've I've never had Puerto Rican food, but Mexican food, uh, uh, Venezuelan food, anything south of here food that I've had trumps anything that has come from Western Europe, like as in like England and Ireland and, you know, where people die because of potatoes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Europe. I, y'all are real big fans of dairy and not very big fans of spice. <laughs> it's a thing, although I will admit the French make some banging cuisine. French food is dope. That's one thing I have not experienced enough of. How there there's a really good French bakery in Atlanta. Whenever we go through Atlanta, we stop there. Um it's, oh. my nine year old loves it. Um 
so we'll go there and get lunch. But other than that, I've never had anything. Uh, I, I just think of escargot, and I've had, like, it looks like boogers. So. <laughs> I think I've had it before. Um, it's it's chewy. You know, it's like a calamari, whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, French food. And, again, you have to remember, French people are Latin. Like, French, Italy, Romance languages, France, Italy, Spain, like they're we're all cut from the same cloth. We're all extra AF. Like, hi, first <laughs> I mean, hi, that's basically a rap video, but made into an entire palace. I mean, hi, same stuff. So, um, yeah, French food is dope. Would 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 I, I mess with? I, I'm about French food. Um, but and some some British food is all right. Like, I would I love Shepherd's pie, but it's true you do have. Oh, to that's like, my jam. Yeah, like, you do have to punch up a shepherd's pie, though, because they can make it real bland if they want to. And I guess it makes sense they would have, you know, colonized the world for spices and then not use us. I don't understand. I just, it's a different world. It's a different mindset. I I just, and I, I keep, I think about this a lot. And I feel like this has to be a love jewel strip somehow, where I think as, you know, people who are, are people of color in America, we're aliens, Okay, I mean, I think about it a lot, especially from the American Dirt fiasco, which actually dovetails into Flaming Taco Truck and Fuego, which we should definitely start talking about now. But, yes. Um, yes. But yeah, people see us as an invading brown mass. I mean, Janine Cummings told on herself. Um, if you guys, <laughs> if you aren't familiar with this big publishing fiasco, Janine Cummings, she's some white lady who tried to pass herself off as Latin and uh, wrote a book about Mexico, and it is the most... It's basically stereotype Mad Libs. That's the way I summarize it. I'm like, it's stereotype Mad Libs. Like, if I made a bingo card of all of the stereotypes that you could think of about Mexican culture on one bingo card, like, you would fill that shit up by the end of Act 1. Yeah, yeah. It's almost actually more creatively bad stereotype shit that even I could pull off. But that, well, it, hey, I don't try. So I was, I mean, the whole it, thing, like it has. There's been a lot of kerfuffle on on Twitter and social media and in the news back and forth about this book. And uh, should white people write, you know, the Mexican experience? I'm like, I don't care what you guys write as long as you don't spit out stereotype stew. We just make the racism go away. Is that that hard? You need a spot checker and you really don't want to have that awkward conversation about how maybe your seven layer dip isn't awesome, Karen? <laughs> I think that's what it is. I mean, I think publishers are genuinely afraid of hiring Latinos because they, they're going to get challenged. We some awkward conversations at the office and it's not big scale stuff. I feel like it's really small scale stuff. That would still bother the living crap out of a, a fancy publisher person who, like, I like my latte. And someone shows up and goes, yeah, but here's the actual chai that I actually made out of steam and milk and shit. And boom. And I'm sorry your food has no flavor. And, oh, conference. Why are really afraid to take a look in the mirror? Um, which is why they like to look at us, which is how American Dirt comes to be. It's a story that's basically immigrant torture point. But, you know, stereotype madness. So I was like, you know what? If this hoe can write exploitation fiction about Latinx people, I can fucking do it too, you know? So I'm going to write Latinx exploitation fiction. Write that down. I coined it Latinx exploitation. You heard it here. 
uh, <laughs> I decided to start writing my book on Patreon. So I'm kind of doing this, you know, like in, I guess the best way I can describe it is the Sherlock Holmes way. Because actually Sherlock Holmes books, they were not published as collected traits. They were published as little short stories that they that were sold at markets and stuff like like just mini magazines, like a little reader digest version of each little individual story. I like how comics and floppies are. Um, so I figure I'll do the same thing, but electronically on my Patreon. Um, and yeah, so I'm releasing a chapter every week, and I also put a chapter header and a little bit of the chapter out on social media. So even if you're still on the fence about contributing to my Patreon and becoming a patron, it would take $1 to get you in the door, by the way. Even if you're a little hesitant about that, it's cool. Like, I put stuff out on social media so you guys can all see it and get a flavor for what it's like, right? So, um, Flaming, you know what? I'm going to pull the passage of Flaming Topic Flaming Flavor. I think that would be a really great life choice right now. Uh, Flaming Taco Truck and Fuego. Because I wanted to have a story about, about Latino people, but also... You know, make, kind of bring modernize it, you know? Like, okay, we can have the immigrant sad person story, fine. But, like, modernize it, but also make it incredibly crazy and absurd. So, um, this, the high pitch of Flaming Taco Truck and Fuego is... Uh, Maria is a young woman who owns, who is an immigrant from far, far away. By the way, I don't... I actually, in the book, I have no intentions of ever telling you where the hell Maria is from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to screw with you. Um, so Maria is a sad immigrant with a very sad past and it's all very sad and she comes to Los Angeles where she has to clean fish and it's gross and she ends up getting this taco truck but because it's so she's so poor and she can barely afford anything her taco truck is is cursed to be perpetually on fire. Nobody knows why. <laughs> and there's no, nobody knows why the taco truck is able to stay on fire. That's not the point. Shut up. Don't bring your physics into this. So one night, Becky, I mean, not Becky, Maria is serving a customer named Becky, and they end up on a madcap adventure with a crazy man with a gun and a car titled only El Scorpion tries to steal the taco truck from Maria and Becky, and uh, it is a flaming, screaming, amazing mess. Okay, so I am going to find... Uh, and, and actually, the thing with Flaming Taco Truck and Fuego is, with American Dirt, it takes place in Mexico, border, blah, blah, blah. I mean, literally, they had centerpieces at the press release parties of, like, freaking border walls with barbed wire. And I'm like, what? Why? It, um, it was pretty disgusting. Horrifying. I mean, geez, I shouldn't, I would not be able to get away with that. So, um, so anyway... This takes place in Los Angeles. And the reason why I like Los Angeles for the location is because this is the new immigrant story. All right. Job markets are shifting. A lot of people are shifting. And Los Angeles is a place that attracts a lot of transplants. I'm a transplant. Um, and so with all of the people here migrating to some from somewhere else, we're all kind of like immigrants, you know. So it's kind of like updating the immigrant. And in the story, you'll find out that Becky is also a new transplant from Los Angeles. She's from the Midwest. And uh, Marie, you know, she and Maria are both trying to make their way in Los Angeles and, you know, chase their dreams and stuff. So, you know, that that's what I'm about. It's like updating the shit. It's not, you know, stale. All right, let me just go into the first couple of uh, chapters. Uh, or paragraph, let me find. Okay, here we go. I'm going to start reading here. 
Maria's story started in a faraway place. She took a long, brutal ride on an inner tube across deserts, mountains, vicious jungles, and a few volcanoes to land in sunny Los Angeles. There, she was very poor, cleaning fish guts for money. She put together what she could to buy a taco truck so she could get some self-sufficiency. The smell of fish was so brutal, she couldn't stand it. Everything made her sad. Did I mention she was poor? Because she was poor and very sad. Maria's taco truck was supposed to be her ticket to freedom, but instead she became enslaved to a terrible rolling death trap that was always on fire. And worse yet, to get the hipster crowd in Silver Lake, she had to start making fish tacos, which meant more cleaning fish. Ay, caramba! That is... And that's... Yeah, we can stop right there. And scene. Like, hi, that's just a little bit about uh, the crazy shit that you're going to read in Flaming Taco Truck and Quasel. And the first chapter is available to read for free. I mean, I'm like any good drug dealer. Of course you could have the first hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, just, um, uh, like, I'm sure you'll have a link to post of where to find uh, Flaming Taco Truck and Quasel. Yes, yes, we will. And Patreon patrons and, um, you know, support the project. Or if you guys just want to kind of watch from the sidelines, where to follow on social media and stuff. Yes, that I'm so glad that you're able to use your art and your talents to kind of, uh, kind of put a uh, put draw a line in the sand and go like, hey, this shit is not cool. Uh, in in regards to uh, that um, American Dirt book, because I mean it, it's very much reminds me of hillbilly elegy um except it was almost intrinsically more harmful uh and especially because this is people that you know really do not have a voice what about Uh, deliverance like that's another i would think that's definitely another story that has certainly harmed people's perceptions of hill type um dwelling citizens (laughs) Actually, um, as as someone who lives out in the middle of nowhere in Alabama, right. it uh, it keeps tourism down, which is great. <laughs> but no, no. <laughs> man, what are you talking about? Income, state income tax, homes. Just saying, tourism pays. <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance has really. It, it painted a picture of, uh, you know, dirt poor Appalachians. We believe in God and guns and, and family values. And that sounds completely like a TV show about about Southerners I've ever seen ever. Yes, it, it was. That's almost a line from True Blood. It, it was like <laughs> it was like Mayberry set, you know, a, a little bit further back into the woods, but. Um, it didn't address any of the issues going on. The the systemic poverty, the the terrible um, terrible conditions of uh, of living for these people, lack of access to social services, lack of access to clean water. Um, did I mention the horrific um, opioid addictions? It's just 
Oh, oh, it's a mess. Rural America, nobody seems to be talking about how rural America has a rampant opioid problem. And and also is the uh, as a like is meth a problem out there too? Because I know meth swept the Midwest. All That's all I'm gonna mess. say is I, I passed a few barns on the way home. Um, I, I work in the city. I drive home, and there are a few barns that I pass that I'm amazed have not exploded yet. Oh, they're either they're either oh. really good at what they do or really bad at what they do. Oh mercy! <laughs> oh no! You need y'all need Jesus. Yeah, like. Rural America is not doing okay, and I do worry for you guys. Like, there's a lot going on out there that, like, I was just talking to someone on Twitter, and uh, I think we were we were talking more about the the more northerly Midwest type area. But basically, most rural areas in America kind of fit this criteria where, you know, you don't have as much access to resources, and like, if you have a really bad injury, like, you don't have access to the kind of doctors you need. There are doctors doing diagnoses via freaking Skype, and I'm like, wow, that is yeah. that is scary AF, because, like, I live in Los Angeles, like, Peter Sinai is just over there, you know? Like, I can have access to some of the best doctors in the world, although my insurance is with Kaiser Permanente, so I can have the best doctors in Van Nuys. What you gonna do And people consistently vote against their own best interest when it comes to these programs that they could take advantage. I don't want to get too political here on on my behalf. Just I feel like but fuck these people. Ugh. Sorry. I feel like people vote with their emotions. And I feel like, you know, the people who have been able to exploit people's emotions, you know, these people really are in need. These people really are, you know, not doing okay like i go i keep going back to jackass like i'm like oh that was a cry for help oh girl oh yeah and i recently made a comic about tiny house nation where there are people moving into trailers and i'm like oh yeah people okay are my mayonnaise fans okay i worry you know and that's i think is an, a shifting dynamic that i like to bring with love jewels and also flaming taco truck and fuego too because um, you know, I just wanted to show some shifting racial dynamics where we're not like Latino people or Latinx people. We're not the people you need to feel sorry for us. Like, we're good. I'm fine. Like, I handled like four client things today and donated plasma. What? Shut up. I'm unbreakable. Um, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate the social commentary you you put into your comics. And I, I think that shit's important. I think it needs to happen. I think more people need to be honest like that and uh, and express these things like you're like you're doing in your comics. And uh, it really makes me uh, excited to see somebody vocalize these things and, and put it out into the world because um, I think if more people discuss it, the problems that we're encountering today, are going to be better easily solved because the taboo is gone. Yeah, exactly. We've already discussed it. Like, it's fine. We'll start calling you mayonnaise fans. I'll concede on that <laughs> note. Man, I feel like white fragility is some serious full-scale shit. Like, I feel like I haven't been taking oh, yeah. white seriously enough when they say, I feel triggered. I'm like, how triggered are you? And I think about it. And I'm like, okay, this is a person who 
probably through no fault of their own, has found themselves in a position where lots of large, mean brown people are throwing knives and sticks at them. So, and they don't, and <laughs> people have this weird culture where y'all don't confront each other about anything. You just pretend everything's fine until somebody burns the house down. I mean, yeah, I mean, y'all are really non-confrontational. And I, I wonder about that. Um, so, so due to all that non-confrontation, you have no skills in how to deal with confrontation. And now you have all the people all mad at you, like coming for you. Like maybe it is some full scale shit, you know? And that's, that's part of what makes love jewels love. Like, yeah, it's mean and salty, but it's still tough love, you know? Like <laughs> I, love world. I want you to change it for the better. Sometimes you just got to get told your outfit in the mirror doesn't look good. Fix your shit. You'll be fine. So, can we talk a little bit about your uh, your upcoming comic? Um, the uh, Lord, I'm blanking. Yes, I'm Deep. feeling we're going, ma'am. Are we going to Spectre Deep Six plan, or are we talking about Tidal Wave Queen? Uh, Spectre Deep Six, actually. Right on. Okay, Tidal Wave Queen is more love, Jules. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Uh, Six is a very different production from Love Jewels. This is a much more mainstream thing that I'm doing. Um, I'm working with Turner Publishing, and uh, yeah, they all, I, they're the reason I have a video animation thing I got to do by this weekend of like, yeah, I got a lot of stuff to do. Um, I signed a six-book deal with them. Use pause for, for emphasis. Six books! That is nuts. Oh, God. On one hand... Wee! But on the other hand, now I got to make six books happen. Well, five now because I knocked out Spectre. Um, so Spectre Deep Six is the first book that I'm doing as part of this six book deal. And um, there are actually two trilogies that I'm working on. Spectre Deep Six and the other one that's coming up is 200. We can talk a little bit about that later. Um, but Spectre Deep Six is kind of like our kind of Hollywood action, big budget type blockbuster. I'm working with a writing partner. Her name is Jennifer Brody. And she wrote a science uh, fiction trilogy called The 13th Continuum. Or The Continuum Trilogy. The first book is called The 13th Continuum. And it's really wacky and crazy. It's about this crazy underwater society that happened as a result of an apocalypse. And they throw people out to sea and it's bonkers. And then this, the lead of the story gets telepathically connected with a space dude. Like, it's wild. So uh, when Jen came to me with the, the premise of Spectre 6, I was like, that is the craziest damn thing. Of course I'm working on that. So let me give you the high premise. This is what sold me. She was like, okay, I have an idea for a story. It's about a team of soldiers who die in the line of duty, but then get resurrected to fight battles in the field. And then they get paid in time to haunt their old lives. And um, and she, you know, went on from there. But basically, dead soldiers brought back from the dead. Now they're ghost agents. And I'm like, that is so fucking crazy. Like, of course I'm doing that. What? Yeah, that yeah, premise I, is so rad. I'm an artist, okay? And the thing is, with being an artist, especially in the comics industry, is that I get a lot of people trying to pitch me on working with them. And I don't work with just anybody. In fact, I've gotten very discerning in the last few years. Um but uh, I, I've heard some pitches where I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that one. I'm like, ah, you can't see my face, but there's a lot of scrunching. I'm like, oh, I <laughs> that pitch, that's not, oh, no, that's not a good idea. I mean, even now, like, 
I feel awkward whenever one of my friends on social media, they're putting out this project and I think it doesn't look good. I'm like, oh no, oh, oh, this is awkward. Oh, oh dear. Oh, I don't know what to say about this. Like, <laughs> like, just the less you say, the better. I feel like on social media, the best way to do it so you don't piss people off, just speak in emojis. You don't have to say words. <laughs> People's heads. That's a, uh, yeah, I, I need to make that into a love jewel strip too. So coming back to Spectre. Spectre is a um, is a story and a half. We follow six individual ghosts, which means I had to draw six individual freaking stories. And um, uh, it was a lot. Um, I also helped with some of the writing on the stories because when it comes to pacing six individual ghost stories and, you know, in a comic book and you know, I'm working with a writer who's still working on learning the comic book format and what actually works with it. You know, there's just a lot of math and a lot of planning, a lot of turning of the dials to make sure that everything works just so. But at, there are six. Each ghost has their own personal business to solve. So it's cool watching all the different stories of each different character unfold. Like the person I love talking about, the you know, the most in, in this book is uh, is Kim, the crazy cat lady. Um, I like bringing her up because we are now a society of crazy cat ladies. I don't know if we focus, <laughs> but the internet has all turned us all into crazy cat bitches. All right. I mean, we love kitty cats. There are people who spend good money on products for their cats. They will watch cat videos all day. Love cat Instagrams. I watched an entire documentary about internet cat celebrities on Netflix yesterday. Yes. It is called cats. The meow V. Wow. Oh, no. That's a name and a half. I would, I mean, there is also <laughs> Don't Fuck With Cats, but th that's a much harder documentary. Yikes. That, that's I've, he I've heard that's heavy. Oh, yeah. Oh, we won't go there. Um, But anyway, Cat Meowvy. So Kim is our crazy cat lady. She died after getting mauled in an animal attack, ironically. And, um, and ever since she passed on, her cats have been rehomed with her aunt who is currently abusing the cats like she's neglecting them and not feeding them and stuff. So it's a Kim has her personal little mission that she's going to have to free the cats. Otherwise your kitty cats are going to suffer and die. Like that's the scale here. Okay guys, we are saving cats lives in this book. Yeah. We're saving the world too. The specters go on missions. They go to Afghanistan. I also send them to uh, Guangzhou, China um, we end up in a submarine. I had to draw a whole ass submarine in this book, yo. Oh, yeah. So much. So very much. Oh. Bringing it back to asses. A, a, a whole ass submarine. Whole ass submarine. is. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of ass, yeah, there's a ghost sexy scene. Yeah. Yep. Nice. I, I, it's all my fault. I did that. It's my fault. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean... One of the ghost stories um, I wanted to kind of evolve and kind of start off as it seems like just a simple friend fight, but kind of evolve into a full-blown love story. And I don't want to spoil too much of it, because if I do, then you know, you'll miss the whole fun of it. But one of our characters in the book, he has to go apologize over a friend dispute, but like shit just goes haywire, especially when you find out she's a witch. Oh, shit. So, um, yeah, I can't introduce a sexy witch without there being some sex. <laughs> That's crazy. So, to be uh, honest, though, 
I mean, how do we know that ghosts aren't actively right now all around us just you want us getting up? nasty? Just, Got yeah. No, the world needs more of that. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, think about it. If everybody got regularly, like, maintained by a ghost friend, <laughs> that would be- that's, that's the most... <laughs> <laughs> that oh, that is the ghost. best way I've ever heard it put. <laughs> that ghost blowjob scene. You just spelled it all out for me. They just want ghost blowjobs. That's all. Incels just want ghost blowjobs. You should let them have that. I wish it's the most democratic that. way I've ever heard anyone say. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Maintained. Right, welcome That's- to Life with Jules. I, things could go off the rails real fast with me. I'm like the Fast and the Furious. Next thing you know, we're off a cliff. Um, I'm very excited by the new, for the new Fast Fast Nine movie. Oh, oh, so very excited. Uh, F Nine Help the movie. I've only seen one of those films, and it was like, uh, like one of the one of the newer ones. And the new ones got better. Like once the movie guy started taking the franchise a little more, not really taking it seriously, but like. They lean away from the seriousness and kind of lean into the camp a little bit and also lean into the fact that, yeah, it's a diverse franchise. Yes, people like it. it because there's flavor in the damn tea. Great. Awesome. It, it. it was totally camp. It was the one where uh, they're in Cuba and he finishes the race backwards with like his a- car on fire, like at the beginning of the movie. Like a flaming taco truck in Fuego. See, like you get it. Bringing yeah. it back. Yeah. Friends. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's, that's what the Fast and Furious is about. It's completely absurd, over the top, flaming trucks thing. Like in the trailer for the new F9 Help movie, I'm going to call it that from now on. <laughs> F9 for Help. <laughs> Shut up. So, from the new trailer, there's a car that grabs onto a chain to swing across a mountaintop to get off of a cliff onto another cliff. And I'm like, what kind of crazy Super Mario physics is this? What the hell? Yes, put it in my face. Of course I want it. Like, <laughs> also, and this is a slight aside, Crank 2 is one of my favorite movies. I've not seen it? any of the... Don't look it up. It's so great. In fact, don't even bother seeing the first one. Like, that's, in fact, it's even better if you go in just cold in the second one, because that's how I did it. And I'm like, this is the most insane shit I have ever seen in my life. It's just <laughs> not screaming. Uh, J- uh, David, uh, not David, Jason Statham. I got, I, for some reason, my brain was confusing him with David Beckham, the other British guy that everybody's all sweating about. <laughs> like my jam, but everybody else is like, ooh, David Beckham. And I'm like, okay, you can do that, I guess. Um. I, I don't know. I don't have to have the same taste as everyone else. Um, but uh, but yeah, Jason did a lot. Of, he he electrifies his own nipples with uh, jumper cables, guys. That's on the poster. So yeah, go watch it. It's great. Um, I mean, who doesn't though? So. Who doesn't what electrify their own nipples with with car jumper cables? Um, yes, yes. If you're just like the party. no no coffee in Alabama, are you people okay? Sorry, people. Jules, we're not. That's what I've been trying to tell you the whole time. <laughs> you saw it. Reverse racism. Just a racist person. Are the mayonnaise fans in Alabama okay or electrocuting your nipples for fun? This can't be okay. 
Worried. We uh, we we got a we got a long way to go, because yeah, things are not well. I kind of like idea, like kind of generated an idea, like what if there was some kind of story where like people of color got accessed by aliens? It is all good. I am recording now. Yes, sorry Uh, about that. My computer completely flipped out and had an entire hard reset (laughs) and. it's like, now we're going to install some software updates. And I'm like, I didn't want to do this right now. It just force installed it. So, it's yeah. all good. My, yeah, my, uh, I'm sorry if my uh, voice quality goes down a little bit because now I'm on the phone. Um, is this going to be a problem for the call? Like, I think No, no. I, I, believe, I think the, the voice quality is actually a little bit better now because I think there was a little bit of feedback. Um, and we'll see if we can, you know, edit, you know. Edit that down. Yeah, I kind of handle it a bit. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That's fine. So we were talking a little bit about my theory where um, if if Mayonnaise fans are not okay, what if people of color ended up with some bitch and alien technology and, like, started saving rural America? Like, what if we just reclaimed it? Like, look, we got resources now. Let us help you. Don't you want some reading programs? Don't you want some job training, bitch, in a job you can actually get now that didn't get taken over by a robot? I mean, damn. Like, I that, I would, I wish I could kind of do that. You know, like, I, I win the damn swing states right there. Boom, done. Yeah, now you yeah. have pro, now you have coding jobs. Go make some sex apps. We need to send pictures of our penises to space. That, I've, I've never considered it, but you, ha- you're such a dynamic speaker and um i i'd vote for you so i guess you know you you win i i guess um some poor unfortunate soul out there in you know beetlejuice galaxy or whatever is gonna get a picture of my my stuff right spread the love It's not like you can give a venereal disease with just a dick pic. It's just like, hello, it's just a preview of the meal. (laughs) So, um, yeah, uh, I just feel like that. I mean, because that's how I am. I'm a forward thinker. All right. That's that's kind of the crux of my what I do. I'm a forward thinker. And yes, I like to challenge the system, mainly because the system is really stupid. Um, Oh, yeah. And I'm like. We need to fix this. It's not okay. There are too many of us feeling dehumanized for all the wrong reasons and we're pitted against each other when really I, I'd want like other higher up power people like held accountable and nobody's holding them accountable. And I'm like, shrug, I guess I got to save myself. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, just feel like there's got to be ways where we can help each other eventually. And I feel like we're on the right path. In a way, I feel like the internet and social media is the start to how we all become the Borg. I mean, think about it. We're all yeah. reacting to each other's feelings and thoughts and arguing and figuring it out, but the Borg have it all worked out. They're like, no, we all think the same. Everybody just finally started agreeing with everybody else. That's how the Borg Collective became the Borg Collective. There you go. Sci-fi. Yeah. Do you, re- yeah. Do you remember having a decent memory? Because now, like, everything... Ev- all the the reservoirs of crap that I had accumulated is now just I don't have it immediately available, but I can Google it real quick. <laughs> a memory of what? 
just I'm, of stuff. Yeah. I have lots of good memories of stuff. Like no, just just the ability to recall stuff almost immediately in without aid of a computer device. Because just with the proliferation of technology and everything, it seems like um that's kind of a, a lost art for some people. Myself specifically, um, it might just. I mean, you know. real talk. Before we had cell phones, we had little written down phone books. We had the little letters on the side to keep track of all your friends' phone numbers by alphabet. Or if you're really disorganized, if you're lo- if you're chaotic evil, then you just had your shit in like a spiral bound notebook or something. And you didn't bother to categorize your numbers. I mean, the technology is just making it easier, but we've had technology that did this before. We just called it different stuff. I mean, it used to be an answering machine, whatever. I was definitely a chaotic notebook haver. That was my jam. So My mom still keeps her all her computer passwords in a physical notebook that she keeps by her computer. Like, And I'm not <laughs> saying that to, for hackers. Like, don't attack my mom. I'll find you and I will stomp your face. It'll be bad. But yeah, like my mom keeps, I'm like, that's actually pretty brilliant. You know, it's simple. You can't, a notebook can't crash. It's a physical notebook. Like, makes sense. I mean, whatever. Oh yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, tell us where we can get Flaming Taco Truck in Fuego. Okay. Um, I'll, uh, do you post links on your, uh, like, I'll, I'll post the link to, uh, to getting to it on my website, www.julesrivera.com. That's kind of like my main hub of everything. I really should make a little sub hub. (laughs) Um, so, um, but yeah, also, uh, com is where you can learn about Spectre Deep Six a little bit. Uh, it, there's right there on the front page, got, you know, the, uh, the big picture saying, look, it's Spectre Deep Six. So yeah, you can go check that out. Um, I'm all, I also, uh, work on the webcomic Love Jewels. That's also, you can find that on the website. Um, on social media, I am on Twitter. I'm a really old Twitterer. Which is why I got my actual name, Jules Rivera. I don't have a little blue <laughs> check mark because I was never famous enough to get the stupid blue check mark. But I, I, I'm, I would be a verified person if I, if they still did that. Um, on Instagram, on Jules Rivera Art, I couldn't get Jules Rivera because some clown had it to like take pictures of their sandwiches, whatever. And I'm like, I hate you so much. So yeah, whatever, Jules Rivera Art. Um, on Facebook, I'm barely on Facebook anymore. Don't reach me there. I don't have anything on <laughs> Facebook. I try to stay on Facebook as little as possible. I, I'm just there to throw my cute little comics over the fence and just go, okay, we're done. Although I did have a comic that I put out today that had an oral sex joke in it that I'm about 99% <laughs> sure my mom saw. And that is the downside to saying everything on your mind. Because every so often you might make a joke about eating out on Valentine's Day. And it means exactly what you think it means. And have your mom see it on Facebook. So, Oh, oh, the worst Love Jewels moment in history. I still haven't made a comic about it. But itself is worthy of a comic. Where I made a comic about a a sex Krampus on Christmas. And I said it's a release on, on Christmas Eve because I figured... Well, me and my family are going to be really busy. My mom's not going to be fooling around on social media. It's going to be fine. 
Oh, no. Breakfast table, <laughs> front dead center, sex Krampus all over my mom's phone. And I don't know where to put my face. I'm like, oh, no. So, I have made a grievous miscalculation. My um, my my wife is a uh, elementary school teacher, and she has a coworker who is mid fifties, and okay. she was looking at her son's Instagram. Already bad mistake. Her son is in college. Oh no, that's not going to go well. Oh boy. Somebody said I'm something thinking, about I'm just trying to imagine what debauchery. She she asked my wife what eating ass meant. No, my God. <laughs> so my, my wife had to explain anal linguist to a <laughs> college. Why am I even asking that? Of course he'd be talking about eating ass on Instagram. Wow, that's yeah. So you she do had to you, explain. buddy. You live your life, and he's gonna make somebody very happy. She was in the unenviable position to explain angling, anal linguist to a. Uh, you know, a mid fifties uh, elementary school kindergarten teacher. So <laughs> I watered it down. I'd be like, oh, it's just something the kids do. They like to kiss and you know, kind of nibble on the butt cheek. It's fine. It's it's nothing crazy. She. <laughs> you, I, I asked my wife what. Yeah, she's tongue that <laughs> I asked my wife what she said, and she said, Jesus. "They do that now." <laughs> Ooh, that's so, that's a love jewel strip I can't publish, but yep, they do. They they, they, they do. Yep. And by the way, it's not just the men who do it. There are women <laughs> who do this too. <laughs> and I would know. And I that's love myself. Uh, <laughs> look, I top I top from the bottom, all right? And how? <laughs> I mean, that's another thing you need to know about love jewels. I'm a little bit slutty, so. But it's all in good fun. Come on. It's it's fun ask. Glittery ass. Sparkly ass. Fun. Yeah. Well so we're Jul- finding on social media. Just Google Jules Rivera. Look for the mean green haired bitch. It's me. Hi. Um we should be friends. It's gonna be fine. Jules. I don't I'll think you're sorry. that mean at all. I think you're pretty awesome. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. JulesRivera.com. Um Well we agree on stuff. Tra- if I have to confront <laughs> you about things, then I'm not so fun. You're that what? poor guy in the court in the alleyway going, oh no, the mean natives are screaming at me, and I am an ill-equipped baby can't hell confrontation. Ah, I'm triggered. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. Flaming taco truck in Fuego, Spectre Deep Six. Um Love Jules. Uh, Jules Rivera, Love Jules. Yes. Check her out. I've enjoyed every single comic I've seen you post. Um, you really, really bring an interesting perspective to stuff, and uh, your Spectre Deep Six art is incredible. Um, I can't wait I, for it. I love it. Really, oh, Spectre Deep Six releases May twelfth. Write that down, kittens. Spectre Deep Six out May twelfth. Go to your bookstore. Go to Amazon. Go to your library. Go to your local book little box doodad that they do in neighborhoods that is all hippie and poofy now. The mini library. Is that what they like? I don't know. This weird little suburban thing. Anyway, go there. Get this book. It's awesome. Yes, check Jules. it out. It looks it looks amazing, and I cannot wait to read it. So, uh, Jules, thank you very much for coming on the show. Do you have anything else to say before we uh, before we head out? 
Well, thanks for having me, Casey. Remember, guys, Valentine's Day is coming up. There's going to be a lot of candy about. Make sure you floss. Good idea. Floss. I mean, I feel like the strip I put out today was also very generic tips. Like, hey, wash your ass. Cook for your date. Like, really simple stuff. But it's, <laughs> sometimes it's the simple stuff that slips your mind. I don't know. Hey, you don't wash the ass. I mean, Ugh. you. That you won't get your. That's how you won't get your ass eat. You gotta eat. You gotta exactly. Yeah, exactly. There you go. They do that now. Gates of heaven. <laughs> Jules, <laughs> thank you, you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. I cannot wait to read this book. Um, we will. Uh, We'll be following along. We'll probably and, uh, be revisiting this stuff in the future, especially once I finish up with Top Flaming Taco Truck and Wago. Awesome. Jules, have a good evening. And you too, sir. Godspeed. All right. Thank you. And we're back. We're back. Now, we don't normally talk about this stuff on the show, but as you probably heard yeah. in the interview, Casey and Jules spent some time talking about eating ass. So... That's something we haven't really had on the show before, but there it is. It's there and it can't be removed, so it's there forever now. Hey, about, gather the kids around the love. phone and take a listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gather around, kids. Come listen to this one. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. But, okay. So my story for you, that it's, it's not it's like a funny ha-ha. It's, it's kind of funny, but at what am I to say? At Rose City Comic Con a couple years ago, we I was there at a booth. I had a booth. Selling my art, my comics, and it was with Jacob, my son, who at the time was like 12, I think, 13, maybe 12, probably. Maybe 11. I don't know. He was young. Well, but he just turned 14, so it couldn't be 13. He just turned 14, so was, I think he was like, I think he was 12. I think it was two years ago. I don't know. So you were, we were doing spoiler stuff. country when this happened. Yeah, I was doing spoiler country, so it had to be okay. 12. It happened two years ago. So it was, uh, we were doing that, and uh, I'm, I didn't know Jules was going to be there. I had seen Jules like at most City Comic Con a few years before and talked to her there, but I'm sitting at a booth, and all of a sudden, I know Jules, and if you ever see Jules in real life, and you look at her graphic, you'll see her. She's got bright green hair, and she's got the personality of like a Mack truck. Like, and I mean that in the best way possible. She has got an amazing personality. It's very big, and you will know her when she walks up to you, right? And all of a sudden, I see this green-haired person walk up and go, John Horsley, motherfucker, how you doing? Like, as loud as hell on the, in the Artist Alley aisle of Rose City Comic Con with my 12-year-old next to me. And I'm like, oh, hi, Jules. What's up? And we talked and bullshit her like... <laughs> I don't know, half an hour, but that's my story. It's, I mean, like I said, it's just funny because he just walked up, John Horsey, motherfucker. And I was like, oh. Oh, my God. That's that hilarious. Like, off the top, just from the voice. Yeah. You're like, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that the first time meeting face to face? I think it was our second time. We met at Emerald City Comic Con once before that, um, like the year before when she was doing a signing at a table for, um, yeah. she colored some uh, kids, like some Barbie comics or something like that. And my, my girls had bought them from her. And I was like, Hey, I do all stuff. You know, this is the first time like meeting in person, actually having a chance to talk in person, you know? Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Well, I'm glad she came yeah. on and, and I really appreciate it. You know, I'm excited to, to check out uh, Spectre Deep Six. Yeah, it's, it, it looks good. I looked, I looked at all the previews for it. It looks really good. So, I mean, and it, it's, Jules does great work. She has a great sense of color and a great sense of, of style within, within what she does. What's awesome. Yeah. So, by now, people know that we give a big spiel at the end to talk about checking out our back catalog. And Yeah, you should do it. You really need to do it. There's so many good stuff back there. You know, there's a really cool one that 
should probably get more play. We had we had the opportunity to talk with Uva Bowl, and he was promoting <laughs> boxing uh, the shock jock guy. Oh, Alex Jones. Alex yes. Jones. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and of course, so Uva said, "Hey, you know, any podcast that want want to have a good interview, let me know. I'll come on." And we reached out. We were like one of the first ones to reach out, and he said, "Yeah, I'll come on." Yeah. And we literally had and it was fun. We, we Casey was our our listener. Yeah, pretty much. You know, we well, this no, we had more. This, this was I'm like just, this was like episode eighty something like that. I'm so we kidding. Had like, I'm we were just doing it for a little bit. Yeah, we had I'm, more than just Casey. It was like Casey and like my mom. I think you know yeah, the two. I'm All just right. kidding, but yeah, <clears throat> we legit had Casey, and that was it. Um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> but he came on. We had such a great time with Uva. I'm, I'm not even kidding. He was so cool. Yeah, and he is so smart, and he has a lot of opinions and. Uh, he is a fun guy to listen to talk, and I implore you to go back and check out the interview with Uva Bowl. And then on top of that one, if you're a friend, if you're a friend, if you're a fan, <laughs> and maybe you're a friend of Thirty Days a Night, we had an opportunity yeah. to talk with the co-creator Ben Templesmith, and he's actually come on a couple times after that. We usually get him at a con, but we got him. He when, before he came on, he goes, "I got about twenty minutes." We're like, "Okay, two hours." That guy stayed on. And it was so much fun. And we talked We talked about work. We talked about comics that he loves. We talked about politics. We talked about Brexit. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy interview. And it was a lot of fun. And I would suggest going there and checking that one out. And Johnny, what's a great interview that you haven't heard in a while that we did that you think that people should know about? Oh man, one of my favorite ones, and I've said it before, but one of my favorite ones of all time is the first time we talked to Stephen Frank. Oh, and that was such it was a early great on. One. I think it's like episode forty-seven or something like that. So yeah, early on, and it just the level of the stories that that man tells us on that episode about his grandfather have stuck with me for the last two and a half years, and I still recant that story to people. I'm like, look, I talked to a guy, and here's. It, it's just, it's just, it hits you on a different level, and it's his, his the sheer, just his creativism and 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 him personally. Just, just I'm glad we became friends with him over the years. Yeah, and he's become that a one close friend. Out in my mind, as one of my favorite episodes. Yep, yep. He's actually become an actual close friend. You know that when he comes to town, we go to dinner, we have drinks, we talk uh, beyond the podcast. Uh, I went oh, yeah, when he was here so last fun. time. I, you know, I went with him to a panel that he was hosting, and just sat on the side just to listen to him give his panel. And we just sat, you know, and we were waiting for them to open the door, and we sat on the ground together and just bullshitted for like an hour before. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the kind of person that Stefan is. It, that that's a great one to to, to bring up. Yeah, and if you want an episode that's a non-interview episode that I think is amazing that everyone should listen to, yeah, go back and listen to our a brief history of the Commerce Code Authority. Oh, that's a great. One. Uh, I, I don't I don't say that because that's one that like you know I put a ton of, re- a ton of work into. I say that because I think the end quality of the episode is. Good. You did a ton of research on that one. Let's to be yeah. fair. Yeah, it, it, that, that's another solid episode, and also. One more. I'm I'm, I'm going to give three because I can. Yeah. Uh, if you want to listen to a good one, I think has, has actually done. It actually came out better than we expected it to, and it did better with people listening to it that, that we ever expected it to. And that was an episode called X Men and Serialized Storytelling. 
end. Oh yeah, that was a good one. If you haven't listened to that one, do it. I just listened to it for the first time again about a month ago, and it actually is a good, solid episode that talks about the X Men movies and like our thoughts of where it should go moving forward. And it's it, it's a really good thought piece, I think. Yeah, is that the one that we we that we have? We kind of have an argument about DC and how they should take their movies and their yeah. shows and and it, yeah. and do it. We fight on that one. Yeah. And they're actually starting to do some of the things that yeah. I said they need to do. And you're like, oh, that, da, 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 da. And now they're doing it. I'm like, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And lo and behold, people like us arguing. So we got to argue more. <laughs> so there you go. That's good. There you go. All right, guys. We are out. Don't forget to open the mind. And we're going.